As we enter the Roaring Twenties and civilization takes a giant leap forward, I have to ask, well, what about the children? Computers. Bringing families together since 1936. I don't have any kids, so I'm not allowed to have an opinion. That's true. <laughs> Who's ready to play hockey? <laughs> okay, Gulexa, live my life for me. <laughs> Gulexa? Gulexa? <laughs> I like it. Welcome to the Epic Podcast and another dose of mental foreplay. My name is Matt. I'm Jen. I'm Austin. I'm Christina. And I'm David. And this week... I'm kind of running the show from an evolving parent point of view. Evolving Parent is a podcast that I do on my, my own side of things. Miss Jen helps me every once in a while. And uh, I wanted to really focus on, as we enter into 2020 and this decade here, where great technological advances are projected by the end of the decade, there's uh, some pretty lofty things that people speculate could be happening technologically. I'm focused on the children and uh, to kind of prep for this, this show, I had uh, everybody check out a video of a, I think it was podcast episode number 60 for Glenn Beck's podcast, but it's called 5G and AI everywhere. 2030 will be a new world. And he was interviewing Jeff Brown. It was, I thought a pretty cool episode. He upset me at one point though. Because he said, nobody's talking about this stuff. And I was like, doggone it. <laughs> I've been talking about this on my little podcast. We've been talking about this here. And so, um, and, he, and this episode just came out for him, I think, a month ago. So the future, it looks a lot different than what we're experiencing right now. Some big leaps, you know, especially they focused on 5G and artificial intelligence. Was there anything in there technologically that, that kind of threw you guys for a loop or that you didn't see coming or is coming faster than you thought. Can I wait? Can I just say very briefly <laughs> explaining my hook in that uh, a hockey stick for if, if anybody doesn't know is in like when you're looking at a graph and it just mm. goes up. And he did mention in the video that we are actually at the bottom of the hockey stick for all the tech and changes and everything that's coming. So I thought that was just interesting to think about considering how much stuff has changed in the last 10 years and to think that we're so far, <laughs> like I mean, it's, it's going to go so much more. <laughs> think about in relation to 100 years ago and the hockey stick. Mm -hmm. Because 100 years ago, there was like, there was some aviation, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of aviation <laughs> at all. And you had to take a boat to go from America to Europe or whatever. I took a blimp, sir. <laughs> like a blimp. <laughs> like that, sir. You'd probably still be up there <laughs> if you took a blimp. <laughs> so the crazy thing is if you if you look at the the rise of technology, you could say that we're still going up from the initial hockey stick that happened during the 1920s or the industrial revolution for that matter. I mean, kind of put it, 
<laughs> to, to put it in a little more recent terms, you know, Tina, you were alluding to just the vast change we've already experienced. I mean, think right. about, you know, the iPhone. Was it 11 years old now? Is it even 12? <laughs> Maybe 12. Yeah. Man, like, like 2007, was it? It feels like it's been with us forever at this point. But in reality, it's just been hardly a decade. But, but the iPhone was, technically speaking, the first, wow, shoot. Smart? Smartphone. Hmm. The sure. first smartphone happened 10 years ago. Wow. And like this is an old smartphone. This is a GS5. <clears throat> this had more space on it than my first laptop. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's, that's processing power in my first laptop. That's that's the the big point here is that um, you know supercomputers used to be reserved for you know the governments and you know the the rich and the elite, and now we carry more computing power in our pockets than they did had, than governments had access to sixty years ago. And I think it's not just that, like free, free smartphones that they give away, mm. like in Africa, for example, like those people are now getting access to more than, than rulers had going back not too long ago. So just the idea that technology has kind of democratized computing power and, and access to things. It's bringing a, a whole new audience to the internet and the way things are the way things are developing, it's, it's just, we can't continue to think that tomorrow is going to look like it is today. It's mm-hmm. going to be vastly different and it's going much faster. Um, you know, they, those guys talked about, spent a lot of time talking about 5G. And um, I was mistaken to think that, well, 5G is going to be pretty similar to the, you know, the bump from 3G to 4G. And they're like, yeah. this is not even in the same realm. Like it's 4G is like a garden hose compared to uh it's like a hundred times more is what is what, are yeah. those the numbers it's they like came up with gigabit mm-hmm. gigabit per second that's messed up and one second one millisecond, millisecond. of latency mm-hmm. delay that is that is out of this world mm-hmm. ridiculous well and, and the first question i asked was well i can already do so many things with just my 4g or my 3g i you know i can watch you know a a video on youtube or a disney movie as i'm driving down the road what more do i need what what more is that good for when i think he talked about you know take it out of the personal perspective and and you if you're in the hospital and the surgeon happens to be a, a robot or ai and they're doing precision work like a glitch in that is can be life-threatening and so getting on 5g helps all of those things kind of progress forward okay do you want to elaborate on on that what you just dove into real quick (laughs) that was pretty self-explanatory no (laughs) (laughs) well i mean so you're talking about people doing surgeries remotely so that a surgery could be done in a tent by the best surgery in the world surgeon in the world but he happens to be you know five thousand miles away Definitely. Yes. And, um, I guess I think about, I've seen video footage of like the robot hands are doing, like they're skinning the grape off of the, the, the skin off the grape. And like, so that's the future of medicine. And so when you're in something where, you know, your life is on the line, you're going to, you don't want the glitch. You don't want the hold we're downloading or whatever may be popping up in your, in your phone life. You don't want that happening in the medical world. Well, the good news is with 5G, we'll just have to have more medical attention. So that's, you know. Well, he talked about that as being a, a myth as well. So Yeah, but he's wrong. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I wondered about that. <laughs> okay, D- dive you know, in there. We His answer was, that. it's a conspiracy from outside competitors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, I, I completely disagree. Um, I've actually been doing my own studies and, and looking in my own teachers on um, uh, frequencies. Uh, and uh, the reality behind what already happens to our bodies. I mean, let me just back up a second. They don't have a clue what's happening to the human race as far as cancer and um, different disorders, you know, autism and stuff like that. (laughs) It is directly related to the so-called technologies that we are submitting and we are subjecting ourselves to on a regular basis. And 5G, uh, I, I, I could put a whole smattering of quote-unquote proofs that, you know, that it's just a conspiracy is, I don't know, I think it's highly irresponsible mm-hmm. to, you know, in my opinion, for him to just dismiss it as that. Um, I'm trying to think, is it Aaron Cameron? Q3, uh, uh, Club 360? Um, I'm actually going to try to meet him. <laughs> And uh, he's dedicated his life to understanding frequencies. He works with right frequency generators and everything like that. So one of the big things that as they study uh, what happens uh, on a micro level, they use electron microscopes, right? Here's the problem with electron microscopes is that they have such a high energy magnetic field as well as heat generation that anything that electronic microscope can actually look at that's biological actually gets destroyed and shattered by the power of the electron microscope just so that they can look at it. Mm-hmm. And so literally all they're studying is, is carcasses of, you know, biological organisms. Um, Rife back in the early 1800s, I think it was, or 1900s, 1930, or 1920 developed a microscope that could actually look at a 32,000 times power and not destroy the biological um, materials to look at. And so even how they're studying the effects of things are creating problems. They're using technology to study the effects of technology <laughs> and it's, it's layering the biological realities. Um, but yeah, a frequency generation of that caliber of 5G is not just some conspiracy in my opinion. And, that is one of those things that, uh, you know, I mean, they, they can tell you right now, I have, I have a little sticker on the back of my phone that uh, reduces the electromagnetic field of my phone by like 90%. Um, they can, you can, that's measurable stuff. And 5G only increases that. Um, and again, and that's, and then don't get me started on AI. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole, and that's a whole other discussion. That uh, again, I think uh, their their take on it. Um, I'll just I'm, I'm going to get started on AI anyway. The, <laughs> well, I'll say artificial that. intelligence is is not at all what they think. Go ahead. I'll just say you know I, I'm part of a, a couple biohacking communities, and and some of them are almost um, obsessive over EMFs and and, and ways to uh, reduce and and you know, remove them from your environment. Um, I think one thing that uh, Jeff did say was like, he would definitely recommend using like a, like a Bluetooth headset as opposed to putting your, your phone right next to your, your head every time you have to make a call or something like that. So I think he, you know, to an extent there's, you know, suggesting a good awareness of it, but uh, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny that he said that, like, there's no 
issue. But I would recommend maybe. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> and, and then just the, the general beliefs, I think, that are probably held by everybody in this call about how, uh, how this world exists mm. through energy and vibration mm-hmm. and frequencies are dealing in that stuff. So to say that it doesn't have any effect, I think, is, it, is an interesting take for sure. But I think he was saying that he was the, the studies that he'd come across hadn't revealed anything. But well, any <laughs> any sound studies or something like that. Any sound, cri- I think, yeah, that were critical said. of it, yeah. But when I think we we joked because we had a fun conversation debriefing yeah. the video before we had this call between Matt and I, um, and the the thing that I kind of walked away is is it's your focus, it's your lens. Um, you know, if you come in just with a scientific scientific logical perspective, then you're not going to think about your frequencies. You're not going to think about um, the social emotional effect of technology. And on the flip side, if that's all you're looking at is the relationship piece, you're not going to see the benefits of having technology in your life and having those, those cross things. So finding that balance, I think is really key and having multiple perspectives at the table really helps kind of navigate through the different research, the different data, the different topics that we're going to dive into a little bit more. Well, you seem pretty eager to dive into AI. Let's let's hear it, man. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, as far as you know, five so G allowing for greater transmission of data on a you know an order of magnitude. The Internet of Things becomes much more plausible, and then artificial intelligence and and the the, the varieties of flavors of artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting that he talked about different ones because I hadn't really heard about that before. Ah, well, let's go. The, you know, I've, I've uh, spent a lot of time in the tech world um, at the last few years, and I've had some really good conversations with, with some people that I would I respect for knowing knowing their shit. And in general, I'm just back all the way out. You don't even have to be a tech person. Um, most people, when they think of AI, they think of Terminator. They think of computers becoming self-aware and then mm-hmm. wanting to take over and everything like that. And you could see there is, you know, idea like, okay, so if we put certain parameters in the computer and, and, and it, equi- it does the math and says humans are the bad guy, and so we're going to take out all the humans to solve the problem. But even then, it would still be the parameters that we've put in, right? So artificial intelligence requires, it's not just the, it, it, in a lot of people's minds, it, it's this idea of like, oh, we've made something really that, like us. And no, the reality is, is there's only one form of intelligence that we can actually currently pass on to something else, and that is logic. Um, and even then, it is logic that we have to set the parameters of. How did we develop our own logic? It was through other things like intuition and emotion and creative, creative imagination. And we have multiple elements of our consciousness that we don't even understand. And there's no way we can pass on consciousness to machines at this point. Until you understand your own consciousness, how are you going to give it, on, give it to something else? Right? So we can certainly give it a piece of what we are, but there, how, you know, how do you teach a machine to obey their gut feeling that they've had this pizza from this place every, you know, they, it's their favorite pizza, but today something feels off about it. And your friend eats it and gets food poisoning and you don't, right? That's, that's, that's that gut feeling that, you, that you, you can't teach a computer. So consciousness is way bigger than, uh, 
logic and intelligence. And they talk about computers being smart and having more knowledge and data. And that's absolutely for sure. But it's, it is a, a different world than actually duplicating ourselves that most people think of. So, and any discussions around artificial intelligence kind of, they frustrate me because there's this massive assumption of what people mean. And it's sure. not, it's not yeah. true. A lot of the time people are just referring to machine learning, but so there, right. you know, there's artificial intelligence. There's um, where it's, it's something that's, um, it's a repetitive task. It's something you're able to gain lots of data on. And because of all that data, you know, a machine is able to have more, I don't know if experiences is the right word to use with it, but just like it's able to take that data and, and form conclusions from that data. Mm-hmm. That's, it's very, very specific. It, it can be, you know, the, the, gosh, what's even a great example? Um, something simple that we do that's happens all the time. Um, Measuring children's heights. It can measure children's heights better than anybody else. It's, it's done it, you know, 2 billion times. It's, you know, when you put up that ruler to the kid's head, it's going to show you like, you're like, oh yeah, it's about four foot, eight yeah. inches and three quarters of an inch. And then, but this is the, this feels like a horrible <laughs> metaphor right here. <laughs> Maybe a better, you know, that it can guesstimate how, how much your child will grow in the next six months. Projection. Sure. Sure. Right. And then, um, artificial general intelligence is, is, is kind of that. I think what a lot of people think about is that when machines can, can do all uh, like a number of things. Well, like a human can do a, a vast number of things. Well, Whereas that first artificial intelligence can only do that one thing. It could do it extremely well. And then there's artificial super intelligence where it's performing at a level that exceeds the, you know, an expert in every area of humanity. So do you disagree with any of those, Austin? I still don't think you can give it consciousness. Sure. You know, and so that's, that's the, that's the distinguishment. I mean, I think it goes to those levels and it's great, but it's sure. Passive intuition, passive emotions. Passive. Let's, 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 let's go driving. That's the example they go with, self-driving cars. So they were, they were theorizing that uh, at a certain point, there's going to come a time where um, self-driving vehicles are far better drivers than humans. And I think it's already kind of shown, being shown as, mm-hmm. as the, the, the reality. Um, when you go look at driving hours, you know, accidents per driving hour of a human versus a self-driving vehicle. Now, self-driving vehicles have their own issues for sure, um, like sudden braking for no particular reason because something popped into the the imager, the guiding system that caused it to brake. Um, I've definitely heard of those um, those issues with Teslas, for example, where I just read a tweet from a guy who said that his dad, who he convinced to buy the Tesla because he's a huge fan, um, his dad was had it on the self-driving feature and he, you know, he was fully engaged behind the wheel though. And it pulled in front of a semi and then immediately slammed on the brakes. Um, he was able to, since he was ready to drive, he was able to take control of the vehicle and, and avoid an incident. But that's the minority though. Whereas a human being behind the wheel and falling asleep or getting distracted mm-hmm. or any number of things causes accidents at a far greater frequency in the future. They were saying that it's going to get to such a point where there's so many self-driving vehicles on the road that they, the human driver is the anomaly and more of a, more of a danger to the system than anything else. Right. Um, well, it said that but, they would be able to reduce the traffic deaths by like 94%. Yeah. 
it's wild that and also he did say like up as of right now tesla has about two billion miles of Mm. self-driving data in their system that's been feeding to their algorithm to improve it to improve their their driving ai so so even if you improved just as fast as their art their their self-driving intelligence there i don't have two billion miles logged i don't know anybody else (laughs) right but i think i think you they also talked about like the consciousness piece where it's you know when when there comes this time where there's going to be an accident and then how do you put value on one group of life versus the other group of life and that piece is a piece that i think gets yeah sure so like if a grandma is crossing the road and a child's crossing the road and one of them is going to get hit you know how does the self-driving software determine which one it is again it's right it's what you saw you ever see irobot with will smith oh forever ago yeah so the basic premise will smith is a character that uh he hate he does not trust robots he doesn't trust an artificial intelligence because part of his backstory is is that he was in a car accident with another car and the robot based on just percentages of survival chose to save him instead of a little girl mm-hmm. and he and he there's a scene where he's pissed and he's like a human would have known it doesn't freaking matter get save the girl you know it doesn't matter if she has a five percent chance and i have an 89 percent chance you save the kid and he's that's why he doesn't trust uh the robots because they don't have that intuitive emotional part of their intelligence and i think what's what's irks me and even just talking about it and calling it intelligence <laughs> every time it's the, it's an artificial intelligence artificial intelligence and i'm like no it's artificial knowledge oh, intelligence okay. is something that is internal it is intelligence and it is divine and it is something that must include emotion and it must include the wisdom of of creative capacity that again i'm i'm it's just (laughs) and it comes from i think from i have such a passion for divine intelligence and that internal reality and i would agree with will smith's character and i robot um and and it is a i definitely agree we should keep going with artificial knowledge uh robots That's, that's really great stuff just Stop calling it something else. <laughs> I think that they get into the idea of like um, smaller companies being able to work with um, smaller data sets because of artificial inference, I think is the term they use. You may catch that part. Mm. Or basically now it. they're able to, to make uh, machine learnings that now, I don't know what, what, what the term was, but uh, just it's, it's making it easier for smaller companies to compete. Whereas before it was, large corporations had this thing unlock um, artificial intelligence development unlocked because <laughs> uh, they were the ones that had the access to the large databases of, of information. And so nobody could compete with that because, you know, Tesla, for example, has got the 2 billion miles driven. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of data that they can use to improve their system. Whereas, you know, somebody were to come up with something new, well, are you starting at zero? Are you paying, for, you know, out the nose to get access to somebody else's data? Like, how are you doing that? So, um, artificial inference is a thing now. Um, but I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that. Like my um, main driver to bring this up is to say the world is changing drastically. Drastically. And by the, you know, one of the things that got me started with Evolving Parent in general was 
hearing a talk from Ray Kurzweil and all the things that he was estimated were going to happen by the year 2029. And I was like, man, why is this? This was, this was years ago. And I was like, why is this really kind of click with me so much? And I was like, because my kids are going to, you know, if, if they continue to travel down the public school route, they will graduate in 2028 and 2030. It's like, oh man. So the world that they're walking out into that, that, you know, that, that the public school system is supposed to, you know, educate them and prepare them for, you know, beyond what's happening in our home. Like they're going to go into that, that world that doesn't look anything like it does right now. Um, so I was wanting to hear the epic perspective on what kids need to be prepared for that world that they will enter. You know, what kind of skills, what kind of traits, what kind of beliefs do they need to have instilled in them? And then if it, you know, those things, how do you even instill those in them? Like what's the best route for that? So what do you guys think is super important for kids to have going into that world? I think, I mean, as technology takes over a lot of the, the basic jobs, um, and driving. You have to, what? <laughs> and driving. And driving. Yeah. I mean, I mean maybe driving is not something we should focus on so much. <laughs> but I mean, that's one of the basic jobs too. So, sure. Um, transportation. Um, I think it comes down to obviously the stuff that is related to what Austin is talking about, and that's the the divine aspect of humans, the the creativity, the ability to imagine and solve, like look at things from different angles and solve problems. Obviously, yes. AI can, to some extent, I, I don't know, I, I think we could go deeper into, into that topic personally, but um, just relational IQ and emotional IQ, obviously that's the kind of thing that is going to be a lot harder to teach a computer. Um, communication and tapping into spirit, so to speak. Um, I feel like those are all things that are that are going to be a lot harder to teach computers and maybe not even possible to some extent. So it's, I feel like it's, it's interesting because there's been so much focus on technology and teaching kids technology mm. up until this point. And I think it's going to have to go in a different direction in order to really prepare them because uh, for one thing, <laughs> there are so many jobs right now that didn't exist 10 years ago. We have no clue clue what kind of jobs are going to exist in 10 years in five years in three years like there's going to be so much different stuff so those are all core things that everybody can use um all the relational things see the, the thing when you said the whole thing about the jobs what if we get to the point where the very highly skilled jobs are done so much better by computers mm -hmm that having a human do those highly skilled jobs is actually a liability mm -hmm. to which point will it create a higher, how do I, how do I get to this point? Humans are going to have to start doing the dumber jobs. Quote unquote. <laughs> Quote unquote. <laughs> Cause I mean like, okay, let's say when you uh, say dumber, <laughs> well, I mean, okay. I, <clears throat> You have a computer doing an, uh, uh, what is that, appendectomy, pulling out your... You're basically saying stuff that doesn't appendix? take years of schooling necessarily, skill-wise. Well, yeah, because if you have 
now. Look at the medical field right now. You can, you can have a difference of diagnostics from one doctor to the other. It's a, for me, uh, last year I had a abscess in my throat. My doctor thought it was strep. If I would have had a doctor that had more, um, more experience? experience with abscesses, he could have been like, oh, you have an abscess. Mm-hmm. I can see it right there. So <clears throat> if you have a computer that is diagnosing you and has the ability to scan you and on top of that, interpret the scans mm-hmm. in a way, it doesn't even have to be quote unquote AI or whatever. It can be a dumb computer. It just says, okay, I scanned you and I can see that that, you know, that was there. So you need this. And the computer could automatically treat you. Would you go to a doctor, a human doctor that could be like, well, I think you got strep. What's much more limited. Yeah. You you wouldn't want to. It's tough. I mean, you think about uh, people that have spent uh, time going to school to be a radiologist, for example. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, software has gotten to the point where they, you know, it's, it's analyzed thousands and thousands of images and not only can it do it with a better degree of precision, but it can do it faster and it can replace several radiologists on staff. So you only need like, you know, a fraction of them that you had to then go ahead and oversee the results. So, so you get to that point like where, okay, airplanes, cars, uh, production of things, um, doctors, et cetera, et cetera excuse me um and and that these are jobs that if a human does it are going to end up being a liability so then what do we do as humans okay but this makes me think about also what he said though about the whole thing about us as humans being connected to the mass i don't know to the internet to to all of the stuff so if yeah, just real quick, like, like yeah, he was using like yeah. Elon Musk. I have left. two things, okay. two things that can that are actually. <laughs> well, he was what? But go, Matt. No, I was just say yeah, Elon Musk has a, a company called, uh, or at least a, releasing a product or it, a company called Neuralink, Neuralink and just yeah. the idea that it can be an interface where they kind of thread wiring into your into your brain that allows you to mm-hmm. to interact with something else, whether that is the internet or whatever. I mean, we already have it in the terms of you know biological uh, prosthetics where people can mm-hmm. interact with like a, a robotic arm and, and control it with their mind. Um, that's different than interacting with the internet. But I mean, you get to a point where um, I guess Google glasses was a thing a couple of years ago, very mm-hmm. short lived thing, mm-hmm. but it'd be something where you don't even have to have it a visual um, signal where people could see people with Google glasses and people got upset with people that had Google glasses on. Cause they're like, don't record me. They'd get irritated with it. Like it was, it was, it's why it was so short lived, I think. Um, but if you can imagine just mm-hmm. the ability to um, have access to the internet 100% of the time, not having to pull up your phone to look at something you can just, Oh, got it. How much faster you could solve. Or I mean, what or, if you're getting, what if you're getting quote unquote downloaded the same kind of program that maybe a, a virtual doctor would have or whatever, a digital doctor. I know like what if, you, what if but, that but no, but is see, a combination? But no, but still wouldn't work because you don't have, like what Jen was saying, the, seeing a, a robot, quote unquote, robot arm, we lost Austin. Mm-hmm. He'll come back. 
seeing a robot arm skin a grape. Right. That kind that of skill kind of is precision. not right. You don't have it. Right. You know, uh, the robot arm does not, does not wobble or whatever. Mm. And so um, I feel like, I mean, <laughs> dang, if you're even thinking of the medical pr- uh, profession, you're thinking, oh crap, you know, what are we going to do here? Doctors are vastly overeducated or, or they spend so much time uh, getting educated and, and then you still have malpractice. You still have doctors, you still have to, like, you have one doctor that will say one thing, the other doctor that will say another thing. Uh, I think that's tied more to a systematic thing than maybe actual productivity. Cause you think about, we've talked a lot about biohacking and how it's this big system and, you know, doctors get like a semester of nutrition. And so they're looking at one symptom instead of the whole symptom and all the other factors that are coming in. And so that's why we get a lot of miscues on diagnosis is because they're not looking at the bigger, broader picture. And so I'm curious when AI comes into the system. Are they looking at that? Or are they still just looking at the system? Well, Again, it's how have, we program them. You're going to have a machine that has access to all of that research. Hopefully. All, the research. all the research. So just like in the, the medical community, there's a potential shift of employability for humans with the way technology is going. Um, I think you can see that across a variety of um, what are Jobs, careers, there we go. A variety of careers. Industries. <laughs> Industries, yeah. These are all great words. Yeah. <laughs> Teamwork. And uh, to, to me, that, that's, that's something that um, creates an interesting problem where human labor essentially becomes devalued to an extent. And like, even though you, you know, new industries are being created because of this, and new, all sorts of new careers and jobs are being created because of this, um, there's a, a need to be um, able to adapt, a need to be um, comfortable with change and being flexible because like Tina alluded to earlier, just said earlier, the hockey stick, like we're at the base of the hockey stick right now. Like we feel like so much has changed in just the last 10 years, but man, it's just the beginning of change and how much so, how much more so will uh, people need to be able to adjust to a world where being a doctor is maybe not as much of an option as it was before. You know, it's a very small option for many people, but you know, transportation was mentioned as a potential job. It's the biggest employer in the United States, I believe. Um, That's going to be hit hard. A lot of the repetitive tasks are going to be hit hard. And so you're going to have people that are going to necessarily need to change careers to uh, jobs that are less impacted by this, but other people are going to be making those adjustments too. And so with, people being funneled into certain career paths, I think it's, you're going to have, yes, more, more specialties or more generalization. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say more, but (laughs) more competitiveness, but less valuable at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys tell you now. To jump off maybe what you're saying, or I don't know, go a different route. I'm not sure. Um, The skill set, I think interpersonal relationships is going to be the skill set that is going to be heavily, because again, you can't have AI taking care of a child who is irrational and you're, you know, has no pattern. And so, you know, 
schools and I think there can be AI in there, but at the same time, a lot of those interpersonal skills, they just can't do. Um, when you think of management roles and having to manage people in a work setting, like, again, you cannot predict how people are going to react and how they're going to handle things. So all of those skills that you have to interact with people are the things that you're going to have to really beef up on. Um, and I think being able to think outside the box and persevere are two really big keys. Um, mm -hmm. cause again, we get into these routines, we have these products, we have these timelines, but it's those innovative thinkers who are going to carve a new wave. Um, as well as you get hit with failure after failure or being passed off on promotions or ideas. Like if you just quit, then you're done, but you have to have that perseverance to just keep going until you can create something that makes it for you. Yeah. And what, oh. oh, I was going to say that I don't remember what podcast, who it was, but it was a interview with Andrew Yang and he was actually talking about that, that it, hmm. that the, um, the role, the gamut of jobs in the, future is going to be weighted heavily towards interpersonal jobs mm -hmm. uh jobs that have to do deal with people mainly because of of this exact thing that you know a lot of these jobs are the repetitive ones the ones that require a lot of knowledge or whatever precision are going to be taken over by, by computers um Go ahead and say your thing. Okay. I, have I was just going to say that in relation to one of the things that Jen said, it was something I had been thinking about too, and the whole thing of um, <clears throat> uh, innovative thinking. Like, as much as you can teach uh, computers or whatever to do certain jobs really well, or as, as much as they can do certain jobs really well, I don't think they're going to be innovating and coming up with new, new ideas for how to do things and better. Uh, ways of doing things necessarily. I mean, maybe they will at some point. I don't know how quickly that will happen, but okay. just the whole thing of. So, so I'm going to put this here now because of that. Um, quantum computing and the vast, vastly large and incredible processing power that it has. Mm -hmm. And how does that I mean, because like it said in the podcast, he says, uh, what was it? The 55-bit computer. Am I wrong in assuming that he, he said that Google has a quantum computer? There is one, like, because it's the best out of all of them. Yeah, it said it already exceeds Summit, which is the was like the quantum. football field's worth of processing power. Mm -hmm. And it's a little box the size of a refrigerator. Yeah. I guess the thing that I kind of was raised a flag for me was because um i think glenn beck was like well how do you know if the answer was right and, he, and his response mm -hmm. was it doesn't have to be right it's the fact that it computed something and, and came up with a solution makes it like essentially right and i maybe i misunderstood that when he said that but yeah. I, I was i did okay never mind i mean i waited for him to say it that's why i i like, I, I waited for him to say it and i didn't hear it that's i think he just moved on to where he was trying to go ultimately there's proofs when you do when you, when you take on a math problem there's a proof if you get it right so you run it through it but work? if yeah, nobody if there. nobody knows the answer and we're giving it to the computer or do we know the answer and we're waiting for the computer to solve it because the math checks out mm. math because like what, what he was saying was like the the 
the 55-bit computer that they have right now, I think, if I understood this correctly, could crack military-grade encryption in hours. Something like that. And something like that. And, and, and he said from the 55 to the 256-bit computer, it, it would be able to uh, decode military-grade encryption, which is what the banks use and stuff like that, uh, in, in milliseconds. Now, if you say, hey, quantum computer, figure out consciousness mm. or figure out the meaning to life, the meaning of life. 42. Two. 42 42 um like okay yeah whatever but this this is also a computer that you can say okay there is a scan um okay <laughs> all all the medical records that google had that mm -hmm. google has that they got with names of people and with uh, whatever other personal information and you can have it have this computer aggregate all that information aggregate all those whatever uh, x-rays or cat scans or whatever it had and then um what what level of of uh, medical service would this computer be able to give you on top of that add the whole 5g thing that you have basically the ability to be everywhere at once and be mm -hmm. receiving information from everywhere, every, every single place at once. So how, and then on top of that, this computer would actually be able to process that information real time. Um, what does that look like for jobs? What does that look like for, um, <clears throat> for for interpersonal relationship where maybe this computer would have enough processing power to make you think that you would be relating to someone or be able to figure out spirits well and my i mean i yeah. don't know i mean i'm just i'm i'm literally right and that's what that's what i'm thinking because we have so little experience with this because we don't know what is on the other side of it what i mean what if like how much of the aspect of consciousness is comes down to mathematics in a way, you know what? Like if technology gets to know you so well that it can act before you cogn have cognitively decided, which is something that we have discussed in the past on past episodes and what they talked about also in this um, video that beca <laughs> because so much of the stuff is subconscious that we do, but a quantum computer or these computers, theoretically or maybe not even just theoretically can uh take all that information that we don't even realize that we're processing through that we take as intuition or um like a leading from the spirit or something like what if i'm just saying what if <laughs> it can do the same kind of thing because we just don't don't realize the process is going on in our minds you know what i'm saying like what if the computer is able to do the same kind of thing in a sense we don't know right then why would we develop that to hand it off to something else to for it to do it for us like what would be the process what would be the purpose of us developing and experiencing and growing this to just be like okay ai do it for me thanks no i'm not saying that we want it to do it for us but supposedly like he like he talked about amazon getting to the point where they 
chip you um, stuff that you need before you even realize that you need it type of thing or where they book um, a flight of a of vacation for you and then you're like oh I think I should go on vacation but the, the, it's already booked for you because they're because it's able to um, yeah predicting. predict and but I guess to me that 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 raises up a whole other list of questions so like consent so I have had to have consent for this AI to make those decisions for me. Because what if I'm like, you know what? I really need a vacation. Did you read those terms and services agreement? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> my bank account is like, uh, no, you can't. You know, right. so but like. See, the thing is, it, the thing is, it would, it would be to that point where it would know your bank account, know what you like to do, know what you like to drink, know what you, where, how you like to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And it would say, oh. Jen needs a vacation. Like, honestly, the, whole, the only thing I could think of while he was talking about all this stuff is, this sounds kind of like God. How we think of God. <laughs> like, knows us, he's everywhere, he predict <laughs> what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's how we tend to think of God. And, like, if that really is Claus. the key. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it going to go I, to work for me? If it's going to go to work for me and bring home the paycheck, then let's do it. I mean, well, the thing is, like, we'll, we'll, it's going to go to work we'll, for you and then send the paycheck to, uh, to Google. If, if, if what happens, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but what happens if we develop or this, whatever, if you get to the point of, of having nanotechnology and having, being able to build at the molecular level, mm. I mean, this is getting fairly star trekky but do you remember in star trek where you'd go and say hey hot chocolate and push the button or whatever hot mm -hmm. chocolate and the thing would be like and then you'd have a hot chocolate right there hmm. Hmm. or you say ar-15 oh no no <laughs> oh, gracious so i mean the, the 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 crazy thing there is okay what about a world where we don't have to work i mean yeah and on that road well i mean yeah, I, mean, I guess going back to Andrew Yang, he definitely talked about that as he got into his universal basic income pitch. And we've talked about that in the past episodes. Um, but but this is a world where you don't even need income. Or do you? I mean, mm. you don't. But we need some kind of purpose and drive and motivation to do something. Definitely. There's and always going to be that. You can definitely switch your motivation from work to being creative. But then it goes back to those basic skills. If you can't create or if you can't find something to entertain yourself, what is the meaning of life and why live it? So that's mm -hmm. really, I mean, that's getting back to where I wanted this episode to go, <laughs> <laughs> which was the idea of like, what, what kind of skills, traits, beliefs should we be instilling in, in, in our kids who are going to enter a world where maybe people are purposely challenged or purpose challenged, I don't know, where, <laughs> where people used to get their, their sense of purpose from the career that they had, you know, maybe it was 50 years ago, it was like, hey, I've been working for this company, I'm a company man been here for 30 years and I'm, I'm retiring and calling it a day. Whereas that's, that's, I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, you're going to work for this place for 30 years coming up. Like I, you're not in the right setting. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, real quick, I, I, I pulled up a, um, a graphic. I, I, I want to attribute it to Max Tegmark in a presentation he did for his book, life 3.0, um, which deals with artificial intelligence. It's what he calls it, Austin. So, um, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool thing. It's got like a little uh, uh, feels like it's straight out of a <laughs> fifth grade geology uh, in, in, yeah, environmental <laughs> textbook, um, where it's got the if if you can imagine um, 
artificial intelligence and, and, and things that it does as like a, a rising tide of climate change. <laughs> <laughs> and the warmer it gets, the higher that tide goes. The more artificial intelligence advances, the higher it goes and, and the more these jobs are no longer useful. Like for example, um, you know, we, we used to be the ultimate chess masters. Now, you know, artificial, artificial knowledge intelligence has that. Um, Go used to be something they speculated was going to take forever for a uh, a machine to be able to learn about. Well, Go has been, you know, top Go players have been beaten by artificial intelligence. Um, Remind me what Go is. Go is a game with like, I want to say like trillions of possibilities. Of mm. it's, it's like a board where you're trying to, you play some blue and, 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 and black um, I don't know, rocks game pieces oh on a, on a board okay, and you're yeah, trying to I know what it is yeah you're trying to get it in china mm. yeah but the things that has at the top are things like art cinematography book writing science artificial intelligence design um <laughs> lower on the totem pole it has theorem verification up at up top it has theorem proving um has programming in there but i think in the past austin maybe you've talked about it where um yeah programming is a, a great skill to learn however mm-hmm. A lot of programming is being done by coding programs. Right. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. yeah they're they're programmed machines and program programs. So leave learn. your coal mining job and go learn to program. Go learn to code so that. And you then can just get. be out of job twenty years later, because <laughs> <laughs> other programs are gonna. That was one of the things we talked about in a previous episode about how the you know so many of the jobs in the past you know when a new technology would come you know when tractors were you know. Uh, tractors came on the scene, then, you know, uh, people who made hand plows went out of work, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, tractors came on the scene, you know, all the, all the farm, extra farm hands went out of work and stuff like that. But then they got to move to the factories. And then once the factory shut down, then they got to move to the offices. Once the offices shut down, then they got to move to the, you know, saying that in this case, when a, an industry gets taken out, it's not going to then just have some other void over here of another industry to that it's going to be replaced by the the industry that's replacing your existing job is ai and 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 is uh robots and automation and so it's already backfilled any other industries that you could potentially go into so this is this is very unique in anything else i think one of the other things that we've been talking, I've been thinking about too, is the, it's not only the removal of jobs and stuff like that, but it's also the increase of population. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just looking by 2030, there's supposed to be 8.5 billion people on the planet. Mm. Well, I mean, on, on interesting, if you look at how demographics change and shift over time, like the replacement numbers needed for a nation to maintain its current population is 2.1 kids per family or yeah per married couple per couple that has kids um, and so what happens is that as nations develop their number of kids are having goes down and so you'll find that some people that are you know looking towards the future are actually more worried about depopulation i guess mm-hmm. necessarily because you know where, where are the population issues at not in the united states not in places where you know they've the nations have already developed you know those those nations birth rates are at like 1.7 or something like that like japan mm-hmm. is i think they're, they're very concerned about population going down but yeah i have heard of, go ahead i have heard people talk about how 
the the world will find it's um it's actually in the celestine prophecies um is that one of the ideas is that that the world will find its balance and it will it'll settle at a particular population amount that that matches our planet and we'll do it on purpose which would be great i mean there is the whole thing that they talk about of people living longer and longer as well and mm-hmm. death going away essentially sickness well did you did was anyone like what the crap with the whole CRISPR thing <laughs> why would matt be what the crap he's well all i mean not like what the crap Matt's but like holy macro like wow this oh. is this is crazy the bioterrorism thing now that's a little bit of the what bioterrorism oh so CRISPR is, 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 is gene editing software that can be, you know, you can buy a CRISPR kit off the internet for like 140 bucks, I think. Um, Netflix just had a great uh, series on it, Unnatural Selection, I believe it's called. But um, yeah, CRISPR is, is changing the face of medicine too. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like you hook, hook up CRISPR to one of these narrow, even if it's a narrow AI in parentheses, uh you're still you know hey gulexa <laughs> i want to have blue eyes you know and the thing goes and psh, all of a sudden you wake up with blue eyes the next day or something like that I, is that going to be possible is that why not mm-hmm. right all the things i think I think for me, like, I would rather so much be so in tune with my spirit and like God, than be like, Hey God, I want purple eyes today. And I wake up and I have purple eyes. Um, so again, I think it's the different lens and means in which you get to the result that you want. Mm -hmm. So if we shifted this towards a spiritual perspective, what kind of, I guess, spiritual traits or beliefs do you think kids need to have to be able to operate in this world that's constantly changing and purpose is changing and definitely i think the one that pops out to me is like at first i was like i am enough but even taking it back and just like i am and that whole process of god is in me and i am in god and there is no separation and so wherever i go god is literally there and you know getting i don't it's not like you can't just and one day i'm a god and i am god and and those things but it's it's thinking about what I do and say is a representation of, of God and I can have this communication with him back and forth. And when I think he thinks and just that whole oneness, which is not a one Sunday school lesson <laughs> talk. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been thinking as well that I think things are going to continue to trend more spiritual um, because that's going to be a differentiation between humans and computers um so just in general everything related with spiritual and um the continued understanding of that played out in science in a sense um we recently had we're part of a conversation with a guy named perry marshall which i hadn't heard of before but he's doing some really interesting stuff with um relating science and spirituality together and there's just yeah i don't know i think that whole trend towards the spiritual side of things is going to continue to gain along along with the technology there's definitely something there in the sense that people that aren't even necessarily religious maybe Mm -hmm. atheistic are 
beginning to gather together and have like Sunday meetings, not necessarily church, but Sunday meetings or whatever it is, you know, just it's, you know, as things have shifted away from everybody congregating, I say everybody from an American perspective, but um, congregating in church on, on Sunday and then people moving away from the church, but still wanting to get together, still wanting to fill that, that relational gap. Definitely something there to that. So I'm curious, you say, you know, on one, you guys talked earlier about machines figuring out what spirit, what God is and what consciousness is. And then you said, you also said that having a spirit is what would set us, set machines aside from humans. Yeah. I, I wasn't saying that I thought they would necessarily figure that out. I was, I was comparing like, what if some of that mathematical stuff is equated to some of the stuff that we see as spiritual or as intuitive, like, because we don't, because we're not able to conscious currently consciously um, recognize all the subconscious computing that's going on in our minds. How much of that is correlation or like with maybe correlation is the right word, but paralleling um, what quantum computing might be able to do. Like, because we don't know yet how that all looks, like what if we find that, because, because of what, what they're saying as far as being able to um, take all of that vast amount of information and uh, spit it out quantitatively or whatever, what, like what if, how much of that might be the same kind of thing as what our subconscious is doing? Just that we can, I don't, I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying, but I understand what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I know what I'm saying. I don't know if I'm able to like articulate it, but I, I'm just curious because, because we don't understand well what our subconscious does and because we don't understand well where some of our intuition and stuff comes from. What if we find that a computer is able to mirror some of that, that we see as spiritual right now? And not saying it's not spiritual, but what if you're, are you saying the thought that I was, that I'm getting is like, it seems like as of now, a lot of these streams of technology, of human interaction, of spiritual things, of uh, whatever are separate streams. And what if we get to a mm. point where we, where, where this quantum computer brings us to the intersection of all those things right. and helps us understand the intersection of all these things where technology and spirit and emotions and human interaction, et cetera, et cetera, are all brought together in a way that makes sense. It's almost like using science or AI to explain the why of science. I'm sorry, of spirituality. Right. Well, like, like, yeah, exactly. Like it, it could tell us what, what is spirit, mm -hmm. you know, or how does it work within us? Or how do we, how do we react to something done in the spirit in, in a sense? I don't know. And I'm not saying necessarily that it's like going to spit that out on its own accord, but what if we can interpret some of this stuff? 
I guess for me, that still takes away the the relationship that you would have with spirit because I'd be relaying, relying on this data point from this machine that I've put in the parameters of its intelligence to spit back. So it's not going to be able to give me some deeper cognitive revelation unless I'm having a connection with the spirit and the spirit is, is revealing it. But again, you'd have to develop those skills in order to take the, the data from the AI and connect it to bigger revelations. Yes, potentially agreed about the um, connection with spirit and in connection also with that quantum computing. However, what I'm thinking is like, if the quantum computing is getting, is getting a download of, or is getting, is being programmed with a vast amount of information that you would never um, cognitively have access to yourself without it being downloaded to you specifically or through spirit. But what I'm saying is like, what if the quantum computing concept is somewhat similar to being tapped into spirit in the sense that it is um, combining the collectiveness, the collective understanding of things. Like, I think it's conceivable that that could be the case that you could, if just because, yeah, we're putting in this little bit of information, putting in this little bit, but no, what if you're putting in, what if it has access to all of the information? Not to mention, we talked about um, our brains being connected so that we could access information. What if it's going the other direction as well? What if it's taking, what if it's at some point, somehow able to read our thoughts only if I sign a waiver (laughs) (laughs) and then gathering all of that into an ability to actually um, calculate those things like (laughs) at some point that to me that just sounds like a god machine in a sense obviously not not as intuitive however accessing all the people like that is that's a lot to work with <laughs> sure well i mean we've been going for a while now maybe it's time to go <laughs> wrap things up go around the circle here in a second um let's just pull the plug on the machine <laughs> so uh you know, just just to reemphasize here and kind of wrap up that la- those last few comments you know they used to say that the quantum computer was was far far off well mm. it already happened like it's things are things are changing faster than anticipated and they are only going to change more hence the hockey stick we've mentioned a couple times and then to paraphrase somebody or somewhere um you know technology that is significantly advanced from where we are like if you were to take um a cell phone back to the back to year one and 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 throw the flashlight on like oh my god you are god um, significant technology that is significantly advanced is indistinguishable from magic. And so it is curious to think about as things change, as technology significantly increases, like how much is revealed. Maybe that's kind of what you guys were digging at mm. there, but, uh, I don't know. You guys ready to go around the, around the table here? Let's do it. Well, you're, you're still- <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my hook was, um, computers bringing families together since 1936 and did some quick Googling. And 1936 is when the first 
modern computer was created or designed. Um, he actually was a scientist who made it in his family's living room, right? Um, and so as we talk about AI, we talk about computers, we talk about technology, and then we talk about what is the future of our children? Where do we go? What skills do we give them? Um, in reality, it's just how much can we be together as human beings, as creators? How much can we interact with each other, our internal worlds to better the external world? Because we can program computers and AI to do what we've asked them to do, but they're not going to be able to create new things. They're not going to be able to create the next phase. That's, that's, that lives in us and that's our identity. So Matt's making a weird face, but that's what I believe. So therefore it's my truth. There you go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorely, uh, man, I'm tempted to not say this, but I'm going to say it and then I'm just going to let it yeah. float out there. <laughs> Um, you know what we should do? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Burn it all down. <laughs> we should make computers in our image and likeness. <laughs> that's your statement? Okay. Yeah. That would have been um, a good hook. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely something that I've considered multiple times over the course of this podcast if we, as we've dived into, not this specific episode, but the history of this podcast as we've talked about different things like this. And uh, I think what I've come back to in this conversation, at least, is that however much a machine might appear to have consciousness in any sort of sense based on the information that it has access to, I, I'm not sure how much it's ever going to really have a personality if we and to me i i still am of the belief that god has a personality and is personal etc cetera, etc cetera. so um i don't know i think that's still going to be a differentiation however as austin said making computers in our image it's going to be a matter of how do we how do we pass on the concept of spirit i don't know interesting to it's gonna be interesting this next 10 years for sure <clears throat> i almost said something about biocomputers hmm. um i was thinking well what if computers would be a tool to augment humans mm -hmm. to the point of coming up with a whole new level or transhumanism well no like a whole new category or level of jobs oh. that we would be able to do <laughs> to give us a purpose i don't know but also transhumanism trans <laughs> but also transhumanism <laughs> the end right on um gosh man there's so much to go through here but um i think imagination is, is, is a biggie curiosity mm -hmm. is a biggie um, and being able to adapt and being secure in who you are as a person those are all things that I, I really want our kids to be able to to hang their head on going forward regardless of what happens those are things that are going to be important those are going to be useful tools you know like 
software, you know, artificial intelligence can, can brute force new creations through data. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen some pretty crazy uh, uh, like vehicle frame creations based off of um, artificial intelligence designs and they look alien and they, they're, they're crazy cool looking. Um, and they prove to be, you know, vastly stronger than some of the things that we've, we've created, but, um, being able to just make connections that machines can't, I think is going to be huge going forward. Um, and, and, and to hit on Austin's closer there, I think just, uh, man, software is, is, is programming is logic. So you look at, um, you know, who, the, the logos, if you will, um, the simulation world we live in, perhaps, I don't know, (laughs) but what a weird episode conversation (laughs) worth having. Um, (laughs) Uh, if you are interested in more of these conversations, you know, we've got a backlog of episodes at this point. We've got more in us. We want to do, you can, um, Check out our website, theepic.org, to find those past episodes. And there you'll find a link to our Patreon where you can support new episodes. And if you want to contribute to future episodes yourself, maybe guide the discussion a bit. You know, we have changed how we're doing things in this calendar year for 2020. Um, you know, find us on social media at Epic Ideas and put your, su- your suggestions forth that way. Or, you know, gosh, man, if you have on that Patreon, psh- and suggest something on you, you'll have our full attention. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Am, am I miss anything? You guys are awesome. Oh, everybody. everybody. I was talking about people on the, on the call right now. But, yeah, no. <laughs> Listeners, too. Everybody. Everybody. So, love you guys. Don't be scared of the future. We got this. We'll rise above the machines. <laughs> And so are our kids.